0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're in the National Vineyard Series, The Heart Has a Home. And uh, if you need those, they're back there in the information desk. And you can have these. This is a worship devotional that Headquarters puts out. And uh, they've been really good in years gone by. And this year we're looking at uh, the Christmas message of the gospel through the gospel of John. And so that's been really, really interesting. As I was doing that, and this today is, is about peace, I came across our Jesus Calling, not for today, but for yesterday. How many read yesterday's Jesus Calling? Okay, we've got a smattering. If you're part of this local fellowship, I've only been pushing that for about five years. And just about everybody has a copy. If you don't, we... Do we still have a couple copies? Michelle's gone. I think we have a couple in our bookstore, so feel free to pick it up. It's just a tremendous little devotional by Sarah Young that uh, is almost like a special message from Jesus' heart to your heart every day. And so this was yesterday's. Do not be surprised by the fiery attacks on your mind. When you struggle to find me and to live in my peace, don't let discouragement set in. You are engaged in a massive warfare, spiritually speaking. The evil one abhors your closeness to me and his demonic underlings are determined to destroy our intimacy. When you find yourself in the thick of battle, call upon my name, Jesus, help me. That's a good John Wimber prayer that he taught us many years ago. Help! (laughs) At that instant, the battle becomes mine. Your role is simply to trust me as I fight for you. Wow, when we were going through our Thanksgiving series, which we want to continue the rest of our lives all through eternity, always being thankful, it was that 2 Chronicles 20 uh, of realizing that the battle is the Lord's and that we send out the choir first so that they can sing his praise and, his thank- and give thanks to the Lord. And so the Lord continues, he says, my name properly used has unlimited power to bless and protect. At the end of time, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth when my name is proclaimed. People who have used Jesus as a shoddy swear word will fall down in terror on that awesome day. But all those who have drawn near me through trusting, uttering my name will be filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. This is your great hope as you wait for my return. All right. mm. So Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and all the ways that it comes to us. We thank you for the written word. We thank you for the words that you speak to us from the written word, the words that we hear prophetically from your heart to ours. We say thank you. Now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would breathe upon these words to our heart, to our spirit, and to our body, that they might live and that they might have the full effect that you've ordained them to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Have mercy. So coming home to peace, the heart comes home to peace. Hmm, The heart has a home. Yeah, it does. And the context of of this piece is in the battle of this incredible warfare that's taking place. The kingdom of darkness that has usurped through deception. uh, The rulership over earth is now in a battle as the king has returned and as he has come and released the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God on earth. And so we see this incredible battle that's taking place. And peace is what Christ brought. He is the Prince of Peace. He brought peace when there was no peace. Peace, the absence of strife, pressure, stress, conflict, etc. But you can, ha- you can have peace on the inside even when everything is chaotic on the outside. A lot of times when we're, when we're looking at peace, we, we kind of focus on the external. I was thinking of the times when, when I feel really, really at peace. It's usually when I've got all my work done. If I get all my work done, I get my checklist done, and I've got all of that done, I can relax. I can settle into the recliner and just feel the wonderful peace until I turn on the channel and IU is losing to Purdue. No, no. (laughs) Yay, Purdue! You, you, you watch some kind of sports contest or anything like that. I mean, if you want to rob my peace, just let my team be losing while I'm trying to relax and enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Oh, wow. But peace is really on the inside. It's a peace in the heart. The heart is hungry for acceptance. The heart is always pursuing, looking for work and find that place where it is loved, accepted, and can be at home. Sometimes when we go out and we visit folks and uh, you're in an environment, maybe it's going to be this Christmas, uh, you're in a new job, and one of the spouses has a Christmas party and you're going and there's a whole bunch of people that you don't know, And depending on your temperament, that could either be a a thing that you're anticipating with great excitement, or it could be something that you're dreading to go to, depending on how how you're wired. When we go to a place where we don't know if we're going to be accepted, we don't know whether we're going to have a good first impression, whether we're going to connect with people, uh, there can be some anxiety. There can be a, 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 a stressor on the inside so that we, we're not really ourselves. We're trying to be, but we don't know the social protocol of how things works within that little sub-community. And so we try to figure out, we get our scanners going, and we're constantly looking and looking and looking. And it happens a lot of times when we go into different religious communities. Do they say hallelujah? Do they raise their hands? Are they very... Proper and very uh, liturgical, in a sense. Very kind of worshiping with their mind more than their emotions. And so we, we try to find the protocol. I, at least that's what I do. I love to worship in all sorts of settings. You know, my background was Methodist, so I've, uh-huh. I've been in Methodist churches that are very casual, very informal, and I've been into the high Methodist church services that are very uh, orthodox and, and very... Uh, Line by line, just, you, you just follow the bulletin and, and, and you can worship in, in both of those. Both of those are amazing. But for us to feel comfortable and at peace, we got to find out what's the norm here. What, what, what fits? And then you know if you're one of these super expressive believers, how much expression you can give and still be within the confines of decency and an order. Mhm. Anybody here today? Okay. Okay. In Psalm 23, David says that God can prepare a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. Now, a lot of good that's going to do if you don't have peace. Anybody ever eaten a meal with a nervous stomach? A lot of anxiety? things are You've got stressors coming from all over, and now you're supposed to sit and eat? You really can't sit and dine with a nervous stomach. I mean, you can, but that's not ideal. And I think what the psalmist is, is trying to describe is that the shepherd is so completely caring for his sheep. And I don't think it's really a statement of how dumb the sheep are, that they don't understand that there's enemies right there. But I think it's a statement of how peaceful the sheep can be when there's shepherds with them. That they, can, that they can sit and, and, and eat even if there's wolves all around because they know the shepherd's there. They know the shepherd's there. And they have to have a measure of peace in order to dine. Those, those times when you're eating. And, and your nerves are just going crazy. And you're anxious. And, and it usually doesn't go through the digestive tract very well. And uh, you not only are not enjoying the meal. But you don't enjoy the after effects of the meal as well. And so. But Jesus says. He's the good shepherd. That his sheep know him by name, and that when we're aware of his presence, aware of his presence, then we can eat, regardless of what our circumstances are. I love when I look at peace, I, I love it in, in Mark's gospel. It says in Mark 4, um, I'm going to read a little earlier, but you're going to pick up at verse 39. Verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Peace, be still. Hmm. I was thinking that was going to be a reine, the word that's most often translated for peace in the New Testament, but it's, absolute, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a different word. It's siopa. And, and the word for that peace is to hold your peace. And so when he's speaking to the wind and to the sea, And he's saying, he's really saying, be still, hold back. To hold your peace is when you're going to say something and you shouldn't say it. And so you got to hold your peace because the temptation is you're going to say something that's going to be offensive, that's going to be harmful. uh, And so you you hold your peace. (laughs) And we even have that in our wedding ceremonies in years gone by. You know, if there's anything that you object about these two, speak now or forever, forever hold your peace. Hold it. Yeah. Okay. You getting the picture here? So Jesus is in the midst of it. He's asleep on a pillow in the, in the boat. Water's coming in. He gets up and he speaks to creation. He speaks to the manifestations of the wind and he tells it to die down to stop to be quiet to shut up well it's exclamation point in in the bible So strong words he tells them Mm. in the gospel of John our devotional picks up in chapter 4 the woman of the well the woman at the well not the woman of the well the woman at the well Identify her by location. It's kind of a strange woman to be talking about during Advent, I thought. Usually during Advent, who do we talk about? Who's the number one female of Advent? Mary. We always talk about Mary. What an incredible picture of trusting faith and belief in God. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But in John's gospel, we don't have the account of the birth We don't have the birth narrative. And and so we don't have Mary. We don't have Joseph. We don't have the dynamic. Matter of fact, Mary doesn't even come into chapter 4 of John when they're at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and they run out of wine. And so Mary then initiates a conversation with Jesus, and that's the first time we see her in the Gospel of John. We don't see her again until the end when we're at the cross And Jesus is speaking to his disciple, John, and he says, treat my mother as your mother. And so he makes that that transition there as he dies on the cross. And so the woman at the well gets almost a whole chapter in John's gospel, rather significant. We'll pick it up in John chapter four, verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Mm. All through the scripture, we see that man always looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. And here Jesus is at the well. I don't think he was just pooped. I think he knew that there was a divine appointment that was on its way. You don't have to agree with that for the story to have the same impact. That's just my personal belief. I think he's there. I think he knows someone's coming that he's got a word for. And as this lady comes, it's amazing the encounter that takes place. Uh, there's all sorts of sermons on, on this, but, but the focus for this morning is on the reality that as she comes, Jesus recognized someone whose heart is looking for peace, whose heart is looking for its true home in Father God. And so as she comes and, and engages Jesus, you have all sorts of uh, conversation going back and forth, and you, you probably see yourself sometimes in these kind of, these kind of uh, biblical accounts. Sometimes we try to see if we can get the, the finger of God deflected off of us, especially if, if God is kind of pointing on an area in us that, that we've got a little bit of an ouchie. Uh, there's some pain associated with it, so we try to deflect it. We, we try to switch the subject. Uh, maybe we do that with our spouses, you know, if, if they're trying to get too close and they're trying to... And all of a sudden, Jesus is there, and she finally gets confronted with really a word of knowledge by Jesus when he tells her to go call her husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're right. You've had four or five. What's the text? You've had five. And the one that you're with right now is not your husband. (laughs) When I saw that, I, I, I saw a human being created in God's image, feminine, who was longing for peace, and in her attempt to fill that need in her heart for peace, she was doing it in very unstable relationships. Over and over and over. Looking for peace, but not finding it. Hmm. But Jesus saw her heart and knew that it was time to come home. Now I find it interesting after all of that, and she realizes, man, this guy, this guy knows me. This guy knows things about me. He, he must be pro- a prophet. You know, he, he's got insight into me. And so she's all ears. <laughs> so what does she do? She asked the question of all questions. What must I do to be saved? No, she didn't ask that one, did she? She said... Where are you supposed to worship at? On the mountain or in Jerusalem? (laughs) To me, I think, what kind of question is that? What what kind of question is that? It's like, here I've got a person who appears to to know things that only God would know. And this has been a a debate that we've been hammering for centuries. (laughs) And and I need to know the truth so that I can win the argument when I go back and talk with Mary. I can say, no, we're supposed to do because this man said that. No. So she thinks she's got an authority that she can answer a question that she's been longing to know. And instead of asking the question of her heart, she's trying to get information that will help her order the worshiping community. Hmm. And Jesus' reply, just amazing. You know, it's not about there or here. Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. So we get that incredible revelation that it's not about a location, it's about a condition of the heart. It's about what's happening in our heart. Do we worship Him in spirit and in truth? And so here's a chance. Here's an opportunity. He sees that her heart, he's carefully coming in and he's giving her heart an invitation for it to come home and to come into the room of peace in her heart. And she's just blown away. She's blown away. She has an encounter with Jesus that has so impacted her that she believes that this might be the Messiah. So she goes and tells all the town, The whole town comes out. And so the the, the town comes and and they believe based on the woman's testimony, but it's really interesting in verse 39, it goes beyond that. And now they believe because they've heard from themselves, from the Messiah. And so they come into an incredible relationship with Jesus. I find that absolutely amazing. What unlocks our hearts to believe? What unlocks the heart of someone who may be living in sin, maybe not worshiping the right place, not worshiping in the right style, not wor- but what unlocks the heart to believe and to receive the very light and love of Jesus, the peace of God? I think that's why as, as, I, as I look at this story, my heart gets moved with saying, Holy Spirit, we've, we've got to have more of you functioning in our lives. We've got to know you in such a way as that when there are those occasions and there's someone whose heart you're drawing back home to peace, we'll have the language that we'll be able to express. We'll be able to see what the Father's doing. We'll be able to hear what the Father's saying. And we'll know how to approach in a loving way, without judgment. That's what the way religion wants to do. Religion always wants to bring judgment into a situation. How do we bring love? How do we bring God into the situation? In language, learning how to speak language is so so important. Learning how to hear the word of the Lord and be able to speak it so that it makes a difference. That's one of the reasons why I'm in the vineyard. After studying at Asbury Theological Seminary and going through all that and reading some incredible evangelism books, I came across Power Evangelism by John Wimber. And when I read the story about what happened on the 747, he looks across the aisle and he sees a lady, or sees a, a man, uh, and across his head is written the word adultery. Adultery. And I thought, whoa, what are you gonna do with that? And as John shared his pilgrimage of learning how to steward the revelation that God would give, that the Holy Spirit would impart and knowing what to do, there was times that 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 revelation put him in places that he was very uncomfortable and he didn't know what to do with that. And he looked over to the guy and, and the guy noticed that he was staring at him you guys remember the story? How many, you, you know the story? Anybody know the story? Several, okay. So he looks over and, he, and John catches himself just staring at this guy because he's never seen adultery written on somebody. And the guy says, something wrong? And at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave him the word. And I, I can't remember in the story, but let's just use the word. Does Sheila mean anything to you? And... <laughs> He says we got to talk, and so he takes him. They go up into the lounge in the seven forty seven, and John's going, and I just love it. He's going, "Oh God, oh God, oh God! What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" He had no idea. He he's receiving things from the Holy Spirit, supernatural revelation, information, words of knowledge, and he's acting on it. Accidentally, uh, the guy the guy's the one that said, "What are you staring at?" <laughs> you know, well you look. Sheila goes up and the guy breaks. He says, yeah, I'm having an affair. And he says, and, God sa- and, and John says, finally, back on familiar ground. The guy wants to receive Jesus. He presents the gospel, leads him to Christ. He has a, a, a conversion experience in the, lo- in the lounge on a 747. And then the guy says, I got a problem. He says, well, what's the lady sitting next to me is my wife. What am I supposed to do? And he said, tell her. Tell her what you've done. So they go back downstairs. He's on one part of the aisle. and He's over the other. And they're having this exchange. And the lady is just going. And long story short, she gets saved that day as well. Have mercy having language that the Holy Spirit wants to give to us, revelation and insight. Uh, I don't know if that floats your boat. When I saw that, I thought, I don't know who this John Wimber guy is, but I like this. This, to me, makes evangelism fun. Instead of me going out and trying to make some kind of a presentation argument that makes people feel guilty and and coerces them into if if I can talk you into a relationship with Jesus the enemy can talk you out of it. But if you have an encounter with the living God and you have you have something of the supernatural that's involved there, it goes beyond just a a logical. I mean the the gospel makes a whole lot of sense. Anybody want to go to hell? No, no, no. That doesn't sound like a good idea. So there's a, there's a rational, but there's an experiential dimension to it. And when you have that, it makes all the difference. Yeah. Enemy can't, the enemy can't steal a, an experience. He can win an argument with us, but he can't take away what we've experienced. Mm-hmm. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for for greater authenticity of what it means to be a, a believer with the ability to see what the Father's doing in the midst of a situation and environment so that we can participate, so that we can give a word that unlocks a heart to respond in faith so that the heart can come home to peace. Hmm. The enemy hates our loving, intimate relationship with God. A relationship that's marked by love, hope, joy, peace, patience, and you can go on and on. He will use external things to try to steal our peace. But he will also use internal things as well. He'll use our own heart against us if he can get away with it. I love this, once again, from the same author, John, in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 19, he says, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Some of us have that super sensitive heart, that hasn't been secured by love from the Father. And and we've been in enough religious environments that we feel guilty most of the time. And we're worried that if Jesus returns today, that we might be left. And so we're constantly taking our our spiritual blood pressure to see if we're included or not included. And, And we run in such an insecure thing that our heart, you know, is totally based on the environment and the circumstances that we're in. So if, if we're in an environment <clears throat> where the presence of the Lord is, our heart feels safe and we feel like we're going to make it. But if we're in an environment other than that, I don't know where you guys came from, I always felt like if I ever visited Las Vegas, Sin City, If I ever visited Sin City, I just knew Jesus would return and I would be left. And you can have that level of insecurity in your heart. And when the enemy knows that, that comes from woundings, that comes from betrayal, that comes from uh, uh, being rejected and all those kind of things. When you have those kind of wounds in your heart, it's really easy to manifest that in your relationship to God. And so you have those fears, those anxieties, and you're wondering whether whether you're going to be included, whether you fit, whether you belong, whether you're accepted. Ah. So John says, hey, listen, God trumps even your own heart and all its insecurities. When you come to believing faith, that comes out of his presence and personal relationship with him you have something that's rock solid and it doesn't matter whether your emotions are going one way or, or the other you're grounded you're secure you're loved and you have peace mm-hmm. We used to always kind of judge everything by how well we're doing. Well, did you still have peace? When I did that. I, I lost my peace. Then it's time to repent. Let's repent and regain our peace. If 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 we don't have a reason to repent and we've lost our peace, it's because of some kind of super sensitive thing that the enemy's exploiting. But if it's not supersensitivity and we've done something, well, it's always good to confess our sins. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we have those realities. Peace is part of our birthright, it's part of the reality of being in Christ, the Prince of Peace. We have His peace. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want our hearts to come home to peace. We want there to be a reality inside of us that secures us regardless of what our external circumstances are and even regardless of what our internal fears would try to deceive us into believing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the assurance of salvation. The assurance that we are your children, your sons and daughters. And as you said, no one can take your sheep out of your hand. That there comes something lasting and binding and freeing in that reality. So that our neurotic tendencies would cease. And we would be able to be available to hear your voice and receive your revelation that we might become ambassadors of peace to those in need of coming home to peace. So I thank you for these moments. I say, Holy Spirit, work it deep inside. Work the, the truth that Jesus is our peace. Deep, deep, deep. Mm -hmm. If your peace has been lost, I really, really don't want you to leave until it's been restored. Mm -hmm. If you're aware that you're battling even this morning to try to regain peace, would you just lift your hand up? Um, Mm -hmm. you're allowed to peek this isn't one of those with every head bowed and eyes shut we've got about four right now that I've seen that needs some assistance with peace and we are the body of Christ we are the ones called to love one another as Christ has loved us. So, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but I don't think there's anyone that would be. If you had your hand up, would you just stand where you are? You don't have to come front. I commission all of you in Jesus' name. To to minister the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to your brothers and sisters. So you're free to walk about the cabin now. And let's pray for one another. There's many reasons, Lord, why peace is so easy to lose. But I pray this morning, there would be a securing expression of yourself that would be the rock and anchor of peace in the heart, body, and mind, spirit, will, and emotions of each one here today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for coming this morning. For those that need to leave, leave in the assurance of the shalom, the peace that passes all understanding. The Prince of Peace is yours. Walk in his peace and go with God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Feel free to pray for one another. If you have another need other than the need for peace, feel free to come forward. I'd be happy to pray for you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast.